Oranga uplifts. I am profoundly sorry. Flying into botany. I'm not John Key. I'm Chris Luxon. And surprising trade goods. Dairy products and sheet placenta cream. Kia ora and welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering here at One News. I'm Benedict Collins. I'm Katie Bradford and I'm back. You are indeed, <laughs> yeah. Hey, um... Have you had any highlights this week? And you're um, back in the back in the press back gallery in the for a gallery. few days. Eh? So mm. just to, just to clarify, I'm back uh, until Christmas, helping out with these guys. They went digging for an old relic and found me. Uh, so you'll see a bit of me over the next little while until Christmas time. Um, I guess the peak has to be coming back. Trying to get my head around how this place works. Lots of things are the same, but things do do change as well. Yeah. What what's changed? A lot of new people, a lot of new faces, you know. Uh, the politicians haven't really changed. They never change. I could come back in 20 years' time and I think that it'll still be the same. Yeah. For me, um, a highlight was I went off to the East Asia Summit, the first time I've covered a big sort of global um, summit up in uh, Bangkok in Thailand. And um, things kicked off really well. I flew up and we had to we had to depart for Nuapai Airport at 5am or something on Sunday morning. Always the way. And... Um, so anyway, I had been getting already and got up to my hotel in Auckland and I just checked in. There was a knock on the door and they said, oh, Mr. Collins, compliments to the hotel. And they delivered me a um, a cocktail shaker, cocktail, gin, um, kiwi fruit. It was like the perfect start to my trip. It was fantastic. I've never had a hotel do that. <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so that was fantastic. Cheers, Ridges. Um, and also I've got another highlight um, over at the East Asia Summit. They basically, and you'd know this, Katie, but we um, went in to cover a, um, one of the big big events, the, um, one of the summit sort of dinners, and they basically, they take all the media into this great big holding room, and I think it was like 6.45pm or something, but you have to line up at 4.45pm, so it's kind of brain damage, mm. and we went in, but there were like hundreds and hundreds of um, camera operators and photographers. And it was just incredible sort of look at them. Like lots of them brought ladders. And so the cameramen are like climbing up these giant ladders to get in position. And uh, the funny thing was we waited for like two hours for the leaders to come in. And they all came in. But then all the security detail basically just went and stood in front of the cameras anyway. So you'd have these guys waiting for like two hours. And on their ladders. Oh, yeah, all the, the guys on the ladders were okay, right? But people at ground level, they couldn't see anything except the back of like 80 security guards' wow. heads. So they like Cameron were yelling at them. It was just an absolute zoo. Shambles. It was quite good fun. Yeah, they often are those way those summits are. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, Pits for me has to be the weather in Wellington. I really had no. forgotten how bad it is. <laughs> so I was getting buffeted on my way to work this morning. Hair's going everywhere. Eyes are running. I'm like, why did I bother doing my hair and makeup before I came to work? It's re- refreshing. <laughs> there is a reason I left the city and that weather is it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, good, what do you reckon? Two, three degrees warmer up in Auckland as well? Oh, give it, give it 10. <laughs> <laughs> 10 degrees, I think. So, yeah. yeah. Well, well, you've only got to go to, until Christmas. Hmm. Hey, but you've... Um, uh, first track we're going to have a look at is um, the one you've done on Oranga Tamariki. Um, Far more serious issue, that one. Yeah. yeah. Should we have a look at this? Repeated attempts to remove this baby from the arms of its mother sparked outrage, protests, five reviews, and now admissions major mistakes were made. We have deeply hurt our family and the people close to them. For that, I am profoundly sorry. In apology, the whānau at the heart of the story have refused to accept in person. They really don't want to see this as an isolated event. 
This review into the May incident, filmed by Newsroom, details a litany of failures in the handling of the attempted uplift by Oranga Tamariki. I do not want any baby to come into care in the way that we saw in that video. It found while the agency was correct in having safety concerns about the baby, it relied too heavily on historical information about the family and didn't consult with wider Fano members appropriately. There was no clear rationale for the uplift decision and social workers didn't take into account Māori values and culture. There will be a number of Māori who, when they saw that video, they would go, hey, my social worker's a little bit like that. <laughs> I've been treated a little bit like that. And as for whether those social workers face any employment action... People do need to be held to account. Have they lost their job? There have been significant changes. We need an overhaul of some sorts where it's more empathetic to the, to the needs of the people, where it fits in with the needs of the people rather than the people fit in with them. The consequences of this traumatic incident are immediate. A very significant change will be that I will expect that any time we need to bring a baby into care, we will involve the family. I have the facts now, and it's by these facts that I can hold Oranga Tamariki's feet to the fire by, about the culture change. And with the boss of this agency admitting some social workers have been biased in their actions, that culture change can't come fast enough for those families who feel the impact of that bias. I think um, what I found, uh, there are many obviously aspects to that report, massive uh, report released into the first one into that incident in Hastings, was the way that Grane Moss, the CEO of Oranga Tamariki, came out and actually apologised but didn't make any excuses. You know, I've sat through a lot of press conferences and a lot of these situations where there's been some terrible thing in reports and reviews and so forth, but actually to not make any excuses for the behaviour, which clearly in this case they couldn't. When it first happened, Grane Moss sort of uh, seemed to be defending the yeah, behaviour right. of Oranga Tamariki at the and, time. And blaming newsroom. And blaming, and, and blaming know, and newsroom to, for doing yeah. it and saying the media shouldn't have done this and this was all handled badly. Actually, she had to come back with a total mea culpa and say... We got this so wrong. Uh, and that's the way you should handle these things. And that in no way excuses the behaviour. But I think the big concern with this is how many other people actually have been through these situations. And we only found out about this because Newsroom had that video and made it public. And you just have to think how many other families are going through situations like this. Yeah, and the responsible minister, Tracy Martin, still this morning saying, no, nah, no, nah, haven't watched the video. I don't need to. What do you make of that? Plausible you know, deniability. Well, well, and I think the Prime Minister is still in the same position yeah. as well, just refusing to, you know, see how their their own agency is actually operating. Yeah. And, and Grant Amos said when she watched that video, when she made those first comments afterwards, she hadn't seen the video. And I think maybe watching it made her realise just how bad it was. And also this report, because it was so damning. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. was, you know, but, but that... Once she saw it, she said she was very upset watching it as well and realising what had happened. It just, you know, just so many things went wrong. But I think there's a much, much wider issue going on there about the bias in particular towards Māori families and kids being, you know, the way they're dealing with them. And it's been a problem for 20, 30 years, really, with the various reincarnations of child support services. Mm. Um, and maybe things will change. But we haven't seen it yet, have we? Yeah, I mean, at the same time, you've got another case in the media at the moment, another trial. Um, oh, um, you know, where, where a little kid was, a five-year-old, I think, was 
you know, basically beaten to death. Yeah, I mean, how many times do we see this? Yeah. You know, we have a real problem in this country on both sides of that, both with child abuse and with the way social services deal with those mm. cases. But I mean, they're in that, you know, horrendous position of trying to prevent that sort of thing oh, from happening. Y- yeah. And, and yet, you know, if they do, you know, overstep the mark or whatever, it's, you know, yeah, pretty pretty bleak both sides, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, on to um, slightly rosier things. Let's have a um, let's have a look at this uh, track that I did over in Bangkok at the East Asia Summit. With just 36 hours in Bangkok, getting straight down to business and shaking more hands than normal. We'll be adding on perhaps a few extra bilaterals that, that we might not otherwise be able to have because, of course, APEC isn't going ahead now this year. A gala dinner with world leaders fitted in too. And just a short time ago, the Prime Minister announcing this breakthrough. Yeah, after three years of negotiation, excellent to see the uh, China FDA upgrade now concluded. Essentially means that New Zealand has... Um, the best access uh, really of anyone in terms of our agreements. By 2024, we'll have the best access for dairy. And now we've got preferential access for 99% of our uh, wood and paper products. New Zealand also focusing on pushing forward talks on the lumbering regional trade deal known as RCEP. We're hoping that we can still get to a point where there's a substantive agreement um, and, and puts in place trade rules for half the world's population. That's something worth fighting for. A particular sticking point, dairy. India has the biggest dairy industry in the world. They have farmers who have two cows, um, very sensitive to any impact on their incomes. And so the minister's been quite upfront about that. Um, Huge domestic pressure. Two-way trade with India is valued at around $3 billion, but so far New Zealand's failed to secure a free trade deal there. So there is an obvious opportunity there for us. With the cancellation of the APEC summit, no chance for New Zealand to push its case for a trade deal with the US. The PM has no plans to visit President Trump. Well, actually, um, uh, you'll recall that I only just met him in September uh, and we're obviously working towards um, uh, free trade talks already. A surprise request from Thailand's Prime Minister about New Zealand agriculture, adding a bit of unexpected humour to the occasion. Because New Zealand is a leader in this area, as shown by its products which have received renown around the world, such as kiwis, dairy products and um, sheep placenta cream. Sheep placenta cream? Not on our leader's radar. Well, I can't say that that's something that's specifically been raised with me before. Um, uh, perhaps he noticed the youthful look of our delegation. Uh, look, I no, I wasn't familiar with it. No, I have to say. No. Still a lot on the PM's to-do list before she heads home. It was a real crack-up when the um, Thai Prime Minister there talked about um, sheep placenta cream. Um, yeah, it, it was really funny. I don't think Jacinda Ardern or um, Damien O'Connor had ever really heard of it. No, um, I hadn't heard of it. I woke up on Monday morning and I was like, what? I mean, these weird things often happen at these summits, but that was, you know, that was an interesting one. Yeah, so a few years ago, I'd, I'd um, actually been overseas playing a you um, using your face, sheep table tennis face mask tournament, oh, and at the course. end they gave us these, like, exit packs, and it had sheep a sheep placenta cream face mask in it, and I was too grossed out to ever use it. Um, so Do you still have it? <laughs> I think it may have been uh, recycled by now. Um <laughs> Gone back to you the could have farm. given it to the Thai PM. He would have loved it. Yeah, yeah. well, he did get a big gift. Um, the Prime Minister came in the next day with a great big present, gift box, and gave him um, sheep placenta cream. That How did managed, she get it there that, that fast? Just, that they managed to source somehow um, within 24 hours to give it to him as a gift. So there you go. Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting trip. Yeah, um, I'm quite, for these summits, that's, they actually had some good outcomes. 
Yeah, so in addition to, you know, the numerous um, bilaterals that they had, you know, getting that agreement on the um, Chinese FTA shortly before we went to air with that track, we kind of had that confirmed. Um, and, you know, Nationals calling it, I think, the 1% deal, and they, they gave, gave the government 3 out of 10 on trade. Um, but, but it was... Yeah, obviously I was kind of interested in how they're trying to speed, especially our fresh produce and the seafood exports up and into China because Damien O'Connor was telling us, hey, look, really depends on which port our exporters hit. Mm. Some of them face lengthy delays, some are quite quick, but this agreement should help get you know, um, through faster. Yeah, you crave. And they've been trying to get this through for some time. So, I mean, the national were trying to get it through. I I went to China a couple of times with Key. It's not like they haven't been trying to get this deal through. Um, And so it is is a a good deal that they've made that upgrade to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I I thoroughly enjoyed, I caught um, question time yesterday and with David Parker's burn about the, um, the national party with the sour grapes. Saying, oh, <laughs> yeah, he, he had a crack at them saying, you know, um, they, they hadn't had any um, benefits for sour grapes because National had a oh. monopoly on those. Over, over, I think after Audrey Young had written that it wouldn't hurt National to congratulate the government over this. Yeah, I mean, the thing with these trade deals is is uh, it doesn't really matter which government it was. It was Labour who first signed the China FTA. National then worked for years on trying to get it upgraded. The trade officials remain the same a lot of the time, no matter who the government is. So it's, you know, it's just, I, I always find it kind of a strange area to criticise on for that for that sense, except for things like the TPP, which obviously were very political. Um, that was quite different to like the China FTA. Um, and then the yeah. other thing is is RCEP actually finally being being signed, even though it's without India. But but for probably ten years, we've been you know going to EA summits and APEC summits and saying this you know they're talking about this deal, they're talking about this deal, they're talking about this deal, and it definitely got sidelined a lot because of the TPP. Uh, so to actually finally get it there was a big deal as well. Yeah, well, interesting though, eh, with India, kind of, to me, it feels like India's just said, agreed to nothing, you know, yeah. uh, not, we'll, and we'll deal with each individual country on our own. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much of a benefit the RCEP is going to be to be, New Zealand. Yeah, but yeah. my understanding, having sort of chatted to people over there, is it's with the countries that are, you know, if, they, if it does all come together and it, they sign it up, basically you're going to have one set of rules yeah. for trading with everyone rather than having different rules yeah. for each country that you're going to come into. It's just going to make things a bit smoother. But you're missing out on India altogether. And that's, and um, that's the big one for New Zealand. Yeah. You know, we've been trying to get an FTA with India for for at least 10 years as well and so you know I just can't see getting it particularly under their current Prime Minister uh, and so they're just too again I mean it's the same problem we've had with many countries but it's our dairy that that often stops yeah. it and so the only way to get in would have been for India to be part of RCEP and it's not going to happen and um, yeah Damien O'Connor was talking to us up there and he was saying look you know India has I, th- I think he said they have the biggest dairy herd in the world, but a lot of their farmers only have two cows, and I sent that. That was in my um in my in the, in the soundbite in my script, and my producer looked at it. She's like, "What do you mean they only have two cows? I'm like they only have two, two cows? cows. <laughs> She's like, "How can you only have two cows? And but the, like literally, you know, they're probably feeding the local village or whatever. Yeah, and you can see how. Well, if you think of the population of India, if you have a lot of farmers with two cows, that's still a lot of cows. Yeah, that, that's right. But it's going to be very, very hard for them. Yeah, or a lot of them are going to, you know, be put out of business, right? If once, if possibly, if you have to start competing against, you know, New Zealand's, you know, 
state approved Fonterra, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, which can just, I guess their, their concern is you're just going to have all this cut price dairy products coming into the country and, and, and wipe out so many livelihoods yeah. for them. I think what's interesting on that is, it's a side note really on India, but we saw this week India has um, going to Carlos days like we had here in the in the 70s because of the pollution levels in, in Delhi. And a lot of that pollution is from the farmers because they're so behind the times with technology that they're still causing huge smog pollution with problems burn-offs, with the burn offs, yeah. Right. And so uh, and so again they're you know, they've got these huge numbers of farmers just outside big cities, but they're just not they you know, that's why they don't want to compete with us, and right? It's because kind of they don't want to it's subsistence right? yeah, yeah. It's not it's not the high level, very technical ecologically advanced like we have here yeah. in many other countries. Yeah. yeah, I remember during the TPP trade talks as well, they talk about Japanese rice farmers, right? And a lot of them have like less than, they've got like a paddock of yeah. rice and that's their whole family work on that paddock of rice. They're yeah. not commercial scale yeah. guys and those are the guys who can just get wiped out pretty By easily. By these deals, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, should we have a look um, at the... Slightly closer to home. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit closer, up in Auckland. Um, the botany uh, announcement earlier this week uh, from the National Party. It's been a high-profile contest drawing a packed crowd and four other candidates, including MP Agnes Loheni. But support for Christopher Luxon was loud and clear. <laughs> With that gave way to a new blue candidate with a message for Nationals' bruised botany members. What I want to say tonight is that we turn the page tonight. The past is the past and the future is now before us. The past is an ugly one. Former National MP Jamie Lee Ross ejected from the party last year. Today, words of advice for his new rival. People who are new to politics are not used to the scrutiny. Every single detail of an individual's background and past and past decision making uh, will come up for a voter consideration. A chilling warning, perhaps. Don't really care what he does. I can't control what he does. The former Air New Zealand boss was backed publicly by Sir John Key. I'm not John Key, I'm Chris Luxon. Even appearing in preferred Prime Minister polls alongside Judith Collins and Simon Bridges. I don't think any leader ever expects to um, not have other people coming through. I've got more than two very ambitious MPs. And while Christopher Luxon was quick to back Simon Bridges... We need to make him Prime Minister immediately. He was careful when it came to his own leadership aspirations. I'm going to do the role that my party asked me to do. I'm happy to play any role in the team. Christopher Luxon's political baptism continued this morning with rounds of media interviews, a ritual some may say is a baptism of fire. Do you support cutting benefits to solar parents who don't vaccinate their children? Yes, I do. A National Party view he then took further, suggesting the cuts also include working for families' tax credits. So it should extend that far? Yeah, it should. Yeah, it should. Firstly, he got Susie'd on Morning Report. As I say, Christopher got a little bit Susie'd. Are you saying Luxon had his first slip up there? Uh, no, no, not necessarily. As I say, I mean, I, I get Susie'd about every other fortnight. An early taste of the political rough and tumble for the newest National Party hopeful. It was really interesting being at that selection on Monday night. I've the media don't normally go and sit in mm. on a national party or any party's actual selection process like that. Um, and we were the security was just as tight as a budget lockup. We were, you know, all ushered into the room. There were sixty delegates, a hundred and fifty 
observers, just people from National Party who wanted to come and watch this meeting. Wow. And uh, we were told we weren't allowed to report any of the of the five speeches that the candidates made and the questions they were asked and the things that were said in there. Um, and it went on for a couple of hours and they had the doors locked and I had to get special permission to go out to do, do a couple of crosses into Q&A. You know, there were people guarding the doors and they were like, you know, don't tell anyone what's going on inside here. Um, but it was just interesting hearing the speeches they make and the sort of questions they get asked and how long that voting process goes on for. Um, and I, I think one of the interesting things is that they chose Luxon in the first round because it would have gone to a second or third round if, you know, if there hadn't been a clear winner. And um, there was a lot of talk in there about unity and how they needed to now uni- unify the botany electorate and make sure that, you know, everyone's happy. And I think that's why they wanted to make sure there was a winner in the first round as well, because otherwise it would have looked like the electorate weren't that happy with Luxon as a choice. Mm. So, yeah, that's he's got a big job ahead of him now. Yeah. So did you, because I was out of the country, did yeah. you get a sense of how, of the numbers of voting or, or Well, not? it had to be, so there's 60 delegates and right. it had to be, you had to have over 31 votes, but they didn't tell us what it was. Okay. But there was clearly a clear winner. Yeah. Um, and um, that is just the way their process works. So if it hadn't been, they would have gone to a vote off, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and just even seeing those other candidates, well, one was Agnes Lahini, who's obviously already an MP, but you can sort of see how they go through candidate school and they get schooled and they all had their national party lines all there ready to go, <laughs> you know. They said a lot of the same thing. And I was yeah. like, you know, Simon Bridges or Paula Bennett's been sending, this is what you say about this and this yeah, is what yeah. national thinks about this. They've all got their same lines there. And they talked about their various experiences and, you know, what, you know, there are... Uh, history with the botany electorate and you just know that you know a couple of them at least will soon be standing trying to get selected in North Shore or Upper Harbour and they'll be like well my connections to the North Shore electorate are uh, this or my connections to Upper Harbour I've driven over the bridge several times I've been to Takapuna Beach before Um, whatever it is but um, I just think I mean from a very very geeky political view it's actually quite interesting actually sitting in and seeing how they do that although those 10 minute speeches are quite long Mm. Uh, and also they've they've been going round to the delegates This, this is their third or fourth time going to them they've been having dinners at people's homes they've been you know wooing them completely um and uh which is interesting as well what the way that whole process works yeah to get selected and how hard it is stick those votes up behind you and you can just see the one yeah the way they're in peace luxon himself is interesting i know he's touted so much as as a leader um and compared to john key but i think the big difference there is that he Key was very good at meeting the middle ground and the reason Key was so successful is he could reach out to middle New Zealand uh, and he won a lot of women voters and all of that sort of thing and people did like him. Luxon's very socially conservative and while that is probably quite good at the moment when we've got all these big social issues going on and there was a lot of talk about that in in the meeting about you know drug reform and uh, euthanasia and those other issues but um, I think that will make it harder for Luxon. You think it'll be a bit of a turn off for Yeah, there will be people who will. So religiously conservative. And there'll be people, obviously, I mean, you can see that National are going to go into the election next year with a big campaign around these social issues. And that will be a target for some of them and for people like Luxon as well. And there will be votes in that, but they're not going to get centre votes, are they? They're getting, you know, where are they getting those votes from? So what do you think they'll run in? to the election with what sort of campaigns on, on those social issues do you think they'll be you think anti-cannabis yeah for sure the drug reform in particular you know they're yep. sending a message out there that Labour and Greens are trying to tell the country that drugs are harmless and, and that you know that everyone should be smoking weed um, and I think that will be some of the messages that from a very from a very mm. scaremongering fake news yeah, point yeah, of view I don't know how much time they'd want to spend on that though given 
no, they it appeals to, to their voters. It appeals to their base. Yeah, I don't know that it that it does. I think you know the population's pretty. The last polls we did showed, you know, maybe there's a small majority yep. against. Oh, yep. sorry, not a small majority, but slightly more against than in favour. But that was a big turn from previous polls, which showed most people, you know, who who did have an opinion were voting in favour. So I'm not sure that there is that huge. I think they see it as somewhere where they can have a point of difference to Labour as as part of it. They, I mean, they've made that those social issues a big a big thing, especially under Simon Bridge as well. Again, under Key, I think they take a different approach yeah. because he was more moderate. It depends who your leader is, right? So um, they may ch- they, and also I wouldn't I, they may be testing this out at the moment to see the reaction they get to that sort of approach as well. Yeah. The problem is, of course, with euthanasia and, and cannabis reform and abortion is that it's a conscience vote anyway. So you will have some MPs saying that they support it and some who say they don't. So it, it will be run in individual electorates in that sense as yeah. well. And I guess on the polls also on, on euthanasia, we've seen enormous oh, public support. You know, and there has vastly been vastly more public support yeah. than... For a um, long time, you know, out yeah. of the general public than there is here at Parliament, yeah. and I, I just yeah. wonder whether you, if you, you know, if you, our politicians are a lot more conservative, if if it would make sense for them to run on these sort of conservative issues when the public's maybe views things differently. Yeah, we'll, and it we'll, depends on the electorate. Botany is yeah. a safe national seat in a conservative electorate. Although when I interviewed Jamie Lee Ross on <laughs> Tuesday <laughs> he morning, to differ. he had yeah. quite. He his approach was, well, I'm you know I'm pro-choice and I'm you know pro-drug for I'm you know, yeah. uh, and I thought again that that was interesting. I said to him, you know. Have you always had these views or have you repositioned re- yourself with realising you're going up against a Conservative candidate? And he said, oh, your views change over time. So mm. so he is perhaps seeing that. Because that, that electorate is, is an interesting one because there are a lot of uh, younger people out there. It's culturally diverse. It's a, you know, so yeah. I think to write it off as a purely Conservative electorate is probably quite dangerous. Do you think it will be a safe national seat? Next year, yeah, you think yeah. Chris Luxon will clean up Jamie yeah, Lee Ross? So, yeah. Even though, you know, obviously, bit of a, you know, Jamie Lee Ross ha- will get votes. I don't yeah, think. I don't think. Yeah. Recent history there, yeah. but but it, but he's also local, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he had a thirteen thousand majority though yeah. in the last election. Luxon's not going to have a thirteen thousand majority, mm. but I think Jamie Lee Ross will get votes. But I think his biggest problem is going to be he's going up against the National Party machine, who are going to throw everything at that seat. So they have the money for starters, and the resources to put it behind, and so does Luxon, to put it behind him to get that seat back, and they want that seat back, right? So Jamie Lee Ross, I don't know where he's going to get, he might have feet on the ground, which is important in an an electorate battle like that, but the money that you need as well is is a big issue, so, and, you know, it'd be difficult for him. Yeah. This was One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering here on One News. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. It's available around this time each week on One News Now, and you can check us out on your favourite podcasting app. See ya. See ya.